as we mentioned last week, when you have an engineer and an IT guy teaching on relationships, you get a series titled Relationship, Re Relationship Logic. So um, tonight we are looking at the opposite of what Nick talked about. And as a reminder, that little exclamation point equals sign is code speak for is not equal to. Uh, so marriage is not equal to dating. Uh, marriage is definitely different than dating. And um, <clears throat> we realize that most of you in here are, in fact, not married. We have a few married people in here. Um, as a reminder from what Nick taught uh, last week when we looked at dating, if you are not married, then you are still, in fact, single, regardless of what your social media profile status says. Uh, in God's eyes, you are still single. Um, however, um, some of you, maybe after Nick's message last week, may have thought, that's not for me, and decided, kind of spur of the moment that you want to get married. Maybe you got engaged <laughs> in the past week um, since Nick's message. So you want to make sure that you pay particularly close attention to tonight's message because we're talking all about marriage <laughs> and what that means. If it might apply to any of you in the future. So in case you don't know, those two got engaged because of Nick's message, I'm sure. Because of Nick's message. So, <clears throat> um, But you know, we are the well, we call ourselves the, you know, college and career ministry. The, the finish line for the well, though, is not necessarily when you get married. You don't have to exit the well the week you come back from your honeymoon. Um, you are obviously more than welcome, you know, to continue on here until you feel so led to move on to family life, you know, um, when a family is on the horizon. But don't feel like, you know, um, you have to, you know, move all your stuff out um, before, the, uh, before the ceremony. Um, but, as, as Nick had said too last week, um, dating is a, is a route. It's not a destination. Uh, dating is just a route to get you from single to married. And it's more of a cultural thing. It de all depends on the culture, uh, culture as far as what dating looks like. Um, but um, we also don't want you to be surprised when you reach that destination. When the train pulls into Marydville Station, we don't want you to get off the train and be like, oh, this is marriage? I had no idea. You know, we don't want you to be surprised um, when, you, when you finally get there. Um, so many people are rushing into it, again, at the spur of the moment, maybe. <laughs> uh, they're, rushing into, they're rushing into marriage and because they think that's, you know, that's the goal, and they think not much changes once they put a ring on it. Uh, but when they get there, they find out that things are, you know, very different, and they don't understand what being married is all about. So that's what we're going to look at uh, tonight. And the first thing that you should understand about marriage is that you are now one person. That's your first blank on there. Uh, again, as Nick talked last week, a lot about remaining two uh, as you are still single. Um, once you are married, you are now one person. 
Uh, that's clearly evident from our theme verse we see in Genesis 2:24. It says, "Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh." It's very clear that you know God expects the two to become one. Um, when you get married, your core loyalty has changed. Um, your parents, you know, despite what they say at the reception, your parents are not gaining a son or a daughter. That's just baloney for the wedding toasts. In fact, their child is dead. They have lost a son or daughter because a new family uh, has been started. A new family has been started because God has a mission for you to do. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, we, we call that leaving and cleaving. You know, we get that from our, from our verse here about leaving and cleaving to your spouse. Uh, leaving means to sever, to cut, to untie. Cleave means to, you know, come together, to unite as one. And you can't just do one or the other. You have to, you have to do both. You can't hang on to your mama and cleave to your wife at the same time. You can't be daddy's little girl and cleave to your husband at the same time. It's got to be both. Uh, God views you as one person now. And we see that in Genesis chapter 5, uh, verse 2, where it says, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. So God sees you as one person, just like celebrity couples like Brangelina or Zanessa, or Kimye. My favorite, trailer. Trailer, Super Bowl relevant now. Um, so I guess we would be Brissy, Cruno, Brissy, Cruno. Take singing lessons if we're going to be Cruno. Um, but that it results in it results in oneness uh, when you are when you are one person. Um, you cleave to your spouse, uh, and, and the result of that oneness, of being one person, uh, it says, is that they were naked and unashamed. In Genesis, the next verse, in Genesis 2.25, it says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were not ashamed before each other, and they were not ashamed before God. In their relationship, they had nothing to be ashamed of because they were one. Uh, so many people today claim till death do us part, but then they have separate bank accounts, or they treat it like a, a business relationship, or the ultimate friends with benefits, you know, instead of being uh, one person. Um, we, you know, had, it's, you know, not a, a huge situation, but when we got married, um, Chrissy grew up in this church for, for the most part, and uh, after high school, uh, she actually left and followed her parents as they helped start a church out in Sugar Creek. Uh, so she was still around here, but they were, you know, started helping start up this church out in uh, Sugar Creek. And so that's where she went for a number of years after high school. Um, but then when we got married, you know, we made the decision to come to First Baptist. We couldn't, we couldn't do both, you know. Um, we had to, we had to uh, do one or the other. And so she had to leave, you know, when she was following her parents beforehand, which is what she should have done, you know, and leave them and um, follow me as we were, as we were one. Um, you, you know, it says they became one flesh. 
they're one body. A body can't move in two different directions. And we know that marriage is just a picture of Christ in the church. We see that from Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 31 and 32. Uh, it almost is almost identical to our, our theme verse. It says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And it says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So that's, the, that's the, the key, is that everything that is said about husbands and wives uh, applies to Christ and the church, and vice versa. Everything that's said about Christ and the church could be applied to husbands and wives. We know that Christ is the, the head of the church. We call the church a church body. We know that Christ is the head of the church. Uh, we see that in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 15 and 16, that says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So Christ is the head, the body is attached to the head. This is basic biology that most of us are familiar with. The body follows the head wherever the head goes. The church follows Christ wherever he leads. You can't go in two, two separate directions. So in order to do this, you must untie and unite. Those are your next two blanks there. You must untie and unite. That's the leaving and cleaving. Because you are now one, one person. And so once you've done that, now it's time to get to work. Uh, and so number two, you have one job. You've got one job to do now that, you, now that you're married. And if you want to know what the secret to marriage is, here it is. Write this down. You won't find this in a book. Husbands, please your wives. Wives, please your husbands. That's the big secret. That's what everybody's, what everybody's looking for. And that's what it says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 32. Uh, it says, But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. There's, notice the dichotomy. It's it's either one or the other. You're either a wife or a virgin. It goes the same for husbands as well. Uh, the unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And then verse 35 says, And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely or, or honorable, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. So that's the key there. You care for the things of this world, which sounds weird to say, we know, because uh, everything in the world is evil and the world hates you. Uh, but you care for the things of the world in order to please your husband or wife so that you can serve the Lord without distraction. So it, obviously none of this disregards, you know, the Lord's commandments to us or what we do that pleases the Lord. Um, we all I think would kind of understand that, that triangle of a husband and a wife with God at the, the top center kind of forms that triangle. 
And as the two of you get closer to God, you get closer to each other, you know, we kind of understand that. Um, but if that connection between a husband and a wife is, is severed, you can't serve the Lord very effectively when, when your marriage is a wreck. Um, so we, we have a, I mean, it's kind of a silly example, but we have a, a stepping stone in our um, flower bed at home that um, we've had for, I don't know how long, um, a good number of years, um, possibly co- close to 20 years. Tomorrow is our anniversary on Valentine's Day. 20 years we've been at this. So we've, uh, we, we didn't know it all before we started, I'll guarantee that. Um, but we have learned a thing or two on the way. But we have this little stepping stone that just says, um, blessed is the home where each puts the other's happiness first. Um, it's kind of a silly little thing, but it's, it's kind of true. The biggest arguments that we have are wanting to do what the other person wants to do. Well, I want to do what you want to do. No, no, I want to do what you want to do. And those are the kind of arguments that we have with each other. Um, but if we take care of each other, then our own needs will be met. We don't have to worry about fending for ourselves or meeting our own needs because that's what our spouse is for. And that truly is, you know, probably one of the, one of the, the keys to marriage is that most arguments start because of unmet expectations, um, whether it's because someone didn't say it or thought the other person was a mind reader. Um, most of those arguments are going to come because of unmet expectations. So just communicate. That, that is a, a key to marriage. Um, just communicate with each other. Um, now, let's take a look at um, some of the direct commandments that are given to husbands and wives uh, in God's Word. Um, there's a number of verses here. You've got them listed on your sheet, starting in Ephesians 5 and uh, verse 22. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Uh, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Drop down to verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Colossians 3, 18 and 19 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. 1 Timothy 3.12 says, Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. Titus 2.5 says, To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That's why, that the word of God be not blasphemed. 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 Uh, Verse 5 says, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. And then verse 7 says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That's that's why. But you see, all of these commandments that... Um, are given to husbands and wives are in relation to each other. Uh, of course, we all have, you know, the same commandments from, from God's word, uh, you know, to each of us individually, but when he gives commandments to husbands and wives, it's in relation to each other, to their relationship. It doesn't say, husbands, go ye therefore and teach all nations. 
It doesn't say, wives, put on the whole armor of God. Um, but it's, it's how you, it's, it's uh, the, the relationship with, with each other. And why does God give us these uh, particular instructions um, about husbands loving their wives and wives submitting to their husbands? Because God knows what our sinful tendencies are. God knows that um, wives will naturally want to take authority, and guys, we will naturally want to be lazy and take a back seat, and we're perfectly fine to, to follow. And that just sets up uh, the other person for failure. It just sets each other up for uh, failure in that relationship. So how do we, how do, we do this? Well, it's, it's very simple. Husbands, our example is Christ. That's all you have to do, just be like Jesus. It's that easy. Wives, you have a great outline in Proverbs 31 of, of what that looks like. Um, my wife has actually been doing a, you know, a study in Proverbs 31 on her own for off and on for a good while now, and she's got about 30 pages of notes, and she's like on the fourth verse, you know, uh, and that's not an exaggeration either. Um, so, you know, again, we don't have time to get into all those, <laughs> those specifics, but um, why do we do that? You know, why is, why is that the goal um, to, to work on that relationship? so that we can, again, we focus on each other so that we can attend upon the Lord without distraction. So we can serve him without distraction, and the word of God is not blasphemed, and our prayers are not hindered. That's why focusing on that relationship is, is important. And so, you must sacrifice and submit. That's, that's the key words there. Again, guys, we just have to love and live sacrificially like Christ did and died for the church. And ladies, you just have to follow Christ just like the church does. And then, finally, um, you're one person, you've got one job to do in your relationship because you now have one purpose. There's only one purpose. And our sole purpose is to glorify God. And we should understand that, you know, when we got saved, that that is the purpose of our life, you know, to, to bring God glory as we, you know, live for him. Um, but we should be able to do that better together than we could alone. That is the, that's the purpose of marriage. Uh, we see this in, uh, back in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. And little little grammatical thing there. Help meet, help is a noun, meet is an adjective. Help meet is not a noun. The help is the noun, meet just means suitable, or you know, uh, fit for, or acceptable for. So he did not find a help suitable for him. So guys, originally, 
all we got were pets. I mean, they say a dog is a man's best friend, but praise the Lord for my wife. Isn't that right, babe? That's right. Who's a good girl? Yes, you are. You're such a good girl. Yes, you are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She said it. So originally all we got were some animals, you know, and, and God said, no, no, that's just not, not going to work. So thankfully, the passage continues then. Uh, in Genesis uh, 2.21 then, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man, because she was taken out of man. So why was it good that he was not alone? Because he had a purpose that he needed to fill, and Lord knows he needed help. We all, all of us need help. Um, in Genesis uh, 1, 28, we see that, uh, that job. Uh, it says, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God had given them a job to do. Adam needed help to do it. Um, but God has also given us a similar commandment, spiritually, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. A lot of you are familiar with it. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So the purpose of marriage is to accomplish this job better. We should be able to do it better together than we could ever do it apart. And we have uh, an example uh, of this in the New Testament, uh, a power couple by the name of Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, this is definitely a marriage that fulfills the mission. Uh, and this has actually uh, come up uh, a couple of times recently. We were at Wedstrong this year, and there was a session um, talking about Aquila and Priscilla and their example, um, which anybody that is married, you should go to Wedstrong every year. Um, but we see uh, this couple, we're introduced to them in Acts uh, chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. So it sounds like their marriage kind of started out a little rough. It says they got kicked out of Rome. It says they were Jews, and they were commanded to, to leave Rome. So that's kind of a rough start to to your relationship there. But then later in uh, chapter 18, jump down to verse 18, uh, it says, And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Sennacheria, for he had a vow. So Paul was in, um, in Corinth for a while, stayed there a while, and then he left to go to Syria, and Aquila and Priscilla went with him. Kind of sounds like a missionary couple, going wherever the work of the Lord is. And they followed Paul with him. And then down a little bit farther again, uh, in verse 24, it says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, 
an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. And this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So you've got this guy named Apollos who's teaching and preaching, but the only thing he knows is the baptism of John. So at uh, this point in Acts, Christ has died. Things have changed, obviously, from the time that uh, John the Baptist was, uh, was teaching and, and preaching Christ. Um, but this, that's, that's all this guy knows. And Aquila and Priscilla are there, and they hear him, and they take him aside and say, hey, we, let, we've got some, let's, let's fill you in on the latest here. Let us, let us show you uh, some, some new stuff. And it says, expounded him the way of God more perfectly, more completely, if you will. They knew the word of God well enough to correct, educate, and encourage other people. Kind of sounds like discipleship that we do around here. So this is a couple that was involved in, in missions and discipleship. Uh, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, verse 19, it says, The churches of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Now they've got a whole church in their house. They started a church in their house, wherever they, wherever they were uh, in Corinth there. Um, and then in Romans 16, again, we see more, uh, where he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the, Gent of the Gentiles. So they not only helped Paul, Paul says, they put their life on the line to, to help me in my ministry, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Everybody throughout the land knew who Aquila and Priscilla were because of their service. And all the churches knew them and were thankful for them because of, of what they had done for the ministry. So that's, you know, that's an example of, of a married couple that fulfills the mission, that's doing you know, the, the one purpose that they have as a couple. And so you must recognize and reproduce. You have to recognize that purpose. You have to recognize what your purpose is in, in your married relationship and reproduce. All healthy things reproduce. Physically and spiritually, they'll reproduce. So what does the world tell you that a marriage should look like? Aquila and Priscilla kind of started off with a challenge. Uh, most marriages would have just bailed at the beginning. When we um, got married, literally a few months after we got married, we had, we, um, we had built a house in order to get married. And uh, just a few months after we got married, we found out that Chrissy's income was basically going to be cut in half, thanks to the government and, and Medicaid. Um, her income was basically cut in half, and we just had to trust God and trust that he would use it in our relationship. Most couples would blame their current failures based on their, uh, from, their from their past. Uh, they would blame their current failures on what happened in the past. But Aquila and Priscilla didn't let their hardships stop them. You know, people say, well, we can't serve God because this bad thing happened to us, whatever it might be. We could have stopped tithing because we were financially strained, you know, but that's not, that's not glorifying to God, and that's, 
not the purpose that he has for us. Most couples are too busy to, you know, help someone. They'll just, you know, talk about them behind their back. But Aquila and Priscilla changed their plans to bring Paul some, here, let us, let us show you. You know, we were going to go do this thing, but let, we're going to change our plans and let's, let's help you out here. Let's disciple you. Most couples are too busy to, to invest that kind of time. Most couples would just lock themselves in their house and focus on their hobbies, TV, you know, their entertainment, you, you name it, whatever. But Aquila and Priscilla opened their house up to ministry. They had an entire church in their house. And it doesn't require money or a big house or anything like that. It just requires hospitality and selflessness. So as a married couple, and again, recognize that most of you are not married, but if you are intending to be so someday, how do you view you know, your relationship? How do you view your, your time and your resources? Are they for you or are they for the Lord? Do you blame your past for your current failures uh, or do you recognize what God wants to teach you through them uh, to make you stronger in your relationship? Do you schedule your time for God or do you schedule it for you? Uh, do you treat your home and your, your finances and the, the other resources that God has given to you, uh, do you treat them like they're yours or like they're God's and you're just kind of managing them for him? How has God uh, uniquely positioned you as a couple to better fulfill his ministry? What is it that by the two of you, you know, being together, that you can do better than you could do on your own. And again, this is all kind of very high level, you know, if you will. Um, we could spend weeks and weeks on the specific roles and responsibilities of husbands and wives and how this works out practically, um, giving you those kinds of, you know, practical handles. But um, Again, that's, that's why we're here. <laughs> that's why we're here in the well. That's why you have a church body. That's why you have, you know, other married relationships that you can look up to and say, I, I want to know how they're, how they're doing it, you know, and talk to someone else uh, in the church that, um, you know, can help you with those kinds of things. That's why we do premarital counseling and all that. So, you know, again, we don't have time in our short little two-part series to talk about all those specifics because there are many. Uh, and there's lots of marriage advice uh, in the Bible, even when it doesn't specifically mention husbands and wives. Again, we said that whatever applies to Christ in the church can apply to, to husbands and wives. Um, so turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. And we'll just see one, uh, one passage that you know, again, I had, um, it's, not a, it's not a typical marriage passage, but I had come across it, and if you read it, you know, through the perspective of marriage, then it might uh, take on a little different meaning. But Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other 
better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when a marriage relationship is like-minded and obedient to God's word, the result is that God is glorified. Just like he created us to do, and especially so when we have a helper. So let's pray and we'll wrap up. God, we just thank you for, um, for your word, for uh, the pictures that are in your word of um, how, how uh, things should apply to us in, in our relationships, in our lives, God. Uh, you gave us the examples to follow um, I pray that, um, you know, those in here that are in a relationship that we would um, view it with that purpose of glorifying you and follow the examples that you've given us of um, sacrificial love and um, God just following your word and being obedient is <laughs> the easiest way uh, to do it. And um, for those that don't know you, God, that, that don't know um, what, that, what that even means or what that looks like. I just pray that you would um, use, use us to be witnesses of your, uh, of your love, of your grace um, with each other as a church body in our relationships, God, to um, show the world what you, um, what you want to do in us and through us, God, um, and that it would all be uh, to your glory. We just thank you and praise you for all these things. In your name I pray. Amen.